Occasionally we find that certain technological breakthroughs capture the public imagination while spurring the interest of investors. That was certainly the case for graphene, a breakthrough in material science that came out of the University of Manchester about a decade ago. But progress in the intervening period, or at least progress towards commercialisation, would have disappointed many. Curious investors will doubtless wonder why we've seen a limited commercial rollout a decade on, but it's worth remembering that the world's first fully synthetic plastic was Bakelite. That was invented in New York in 1907, but it wasn't until the 1940s and 50s, following uh, chemical breakthroughs, that it was produced en masse. So the apparent lag towards large-scale production probably isn't all that surprising when you consider the historical precedent. We know that many of our readers will be interested to find out exactly what's happening in the graphene market here in the United Kingdom, So we're delighted to welcome two principals of Applied Graphene Materials to the studio, Chief Executive John Mabbott and Gareth Jones, the Chief Financial Officer. Well, thanks very much for coming in, gentlemen. John, if I might uh, start with you, and I doubt very much if there's uh, many of our readers who haven't heard of it, but could you just explain what graphene is and what's all the excitement? Well, graphene is a form of carbon. Um, It's a two-dimensional material. We call it a, a nanomaterial. And by two-dimensional, we mean that there are a lattice of carbon atoms held together in kind of a hexagonal uh, shape, a bit like chicken wire, if you imagine chicken wire, and the nodes where the chicken wire is connected together are where the carbon atoms are. In physical dimensions, it's only about 0.3 of a nanometer thick, so a nanometer is 1 times 10 to the minus 9 metres. What are these peculiar properties? Yeah, the the interesting thing about graphene is that it exhibits a combination of properties at a microscopic level. So it has particularly good uh, mechanical properties, strength and stiffness, due to the bonding regime. It's also very conductive, both thermally and electrically, and it's impermeable. So not even helium gas can pass through the uh, chemical structure of graphene. So those properties, when translated into bulk materials make some very interesting uh, additions to um, whatever you put it into. We read in the paper from time to time there seems to be a a breakthrough on the field or at least an attempt to place it within the commercial sphere. But do you think that its use or the excitement over it has been overhyped at this stage? I mean, from a commercial angle. There is a lot of science that's been done around graphene and continues to be carried out. um, And they are clearly... Demonstrating's, uh, demonstrations of the art of the possible. So one has to recognise they're a very early scientific stage. Where we're focused is in the use of graphene as an addition or uh, as an additive or what I'd like to call a super additive to, to other materials. And therefore that we're, we're looking at more sort of existing industrial processes. So looking at that, what, what do you think uh, some of the, the realistic options uh, will be for investors in the near term? What, what are the technical applications? I mean, you might want to just uh, enumerate some of, the, some of your ones as well. Yeah, I, I guess I always think of graphene as having two possibilities. One is where it is a continuous uh, material that you can add onto the surface of something else. And this is particularly of interest for touchscreen technology. And I think a lot of the uh, noise in the in the press has been around that kind of property. We're actually making graphene as nanoplatelets. These are very small particular additives that are added to augment the properties of a host material. So we're working in areas like paints and coatings, where graphene's added for its mechanical properties and conductivity. 
and we're involved in, in composites, polymers and composites, again, where graphene's added primarily for its mechanical performance, but also complemented by its uh, conductivity. So, so looking at the area as far as coatings go, would you be looking to add graphene to make uh, coatings uh, more resilient? I mean, w- w- would this be applied to, say, um, uh, areas of industry that are high pressure, high temperature? I'm thinking here in mining and, and the oil and gas industry. Yeah, extreme conditions, really. The characteristics that we've identified that our form of graphene delivers are barrier properties. So uh, prevention of moisture penetration. So that's particularly of interest for primers, uh, the first coating down onto steel or aluminium substructures and preventing the onset of, uh, of corrosion. That would have myriad applications in. Yes, yeah. Uh, you know, across the sector, you can imagine from the ship's hulls to oil rigs or to chemical plant, you know, railway bridges, that sort of thing, harsh environments, basically. So the advantages relate to what performance or to also to cost savings? Well, ultimately, it comes down to cost saving, but the cost savings manifest themselves by um, reduction of the onset of, of corrosion in the first place. So if you can put down a thinner coating or a more effective coating to delay the onset of corrosion, then ultimately there is a cost saving somewhere in the supply chain, either to the applicator or to the end user. With commercial confidentiality in mind, could you uh, run through some of the people that you've been working with? We do have a number of, uh, unfortunately for us, most of our contracts are are covered by uh, non-disclosure agreements. Yes, sure. We are party to a collaborative project that's uh, supported by Innovate UK, which comes through the Department of Business, Engineering, Innovation and Skills. And we're working with some of the, the, the top coatings companies. One of the ones I can talk about that's sort of a more of a small, medium-sized enterprise is James Briggs, who are based in Manchester, and they're looking at adding graphene into a range of primers that they will deliver through aerosol cans. Okay, and you, you mentioned there that you're receiving a degree of uh, government uh, support there. What, what is their interest? I mean, obviously, uh, we're trying to build up a value-added industrial base, especially post-Brexit, but is there a particular focus on, on graphene? It, it's more in the, in the framework of what comes under the class of high-value manufacturing. So the support is for the degree of progress from early-stage scientific research through to mainstream production what we call sort of the valley of death which goes from technology readiness levels three through to six whereas six onwards is entering into production and quite often good ideas fall short of of just coming out of the labs basically okay Uh, i know again you're probably covered by uh certain constraints but uh has the company received much interest from institutional investors at this point yeah, we, we have. We actually decided to list on AIM back in November 2013, and we've had good interest from institutional shareholders, yes. Okay. Going back uh, to the previous point, actually, do, do you think that companies like yours receive um, adequate support uh, and, and or tax treatment from central government? And if not, uh, what measures do you think could make a difference to UK companies uh, with a technical, technical offering like yours? My personal feeling on this topic is that we have reasonable support Um, if you look at other nations around the world there is more investment going into high-tech materials such as graphene Um, if I compare specifically with graphene 
There are large institutes set up in Singapore, in Korea, and they have a different method of supporting uh, early-stage materials technology in North America. I'd probably class it in football terms. We're probably in the in the championship and not in the premiership in the UK. We are getting some support and it's much appreciated, yeah. Well, well it does appear that you're taking a, a more prosaic or a realistic approach to growth. I mean, looking down the line, and I know it's very difficult to predict this, how, how do you envisage the, growing the company in the future and, and, and do you have any uh, view to, to funding? Yeah, we're obviously loss-making at this point in time. We hope that uh, in the not-too-distant future we'll, we'll be able to stand on our own two feet. So at this point in time, we're dependent on the goodwill of our, our investors and shareholders. But we are transitioning from early-stage production orders through to hopefully a break-even position. We received our first production order only in October of last year, so it's only six months ago, and that was in the field of, of fishing rods. So we hope that that and expect that to be the first of, of many that we've been building on a, a pipeline coming through to production. And what are the, diff- the principal difficulties for you? Is it um, producing on, on a large scale from a technical angle? No, the, the I'd s- summarise things as really just being dependent on uh, customer demand at this stage. So my job is to try and put all the... Um, all the building blocks in place such that the only thing that stops the business progressing is customer demand. And what prevents customer demand really is hard evidence that graphene delivers a, a tangible benefit for them. So if you can imagine in, in, the, in the field of coatings, we're having to go through long-term weathering trials with paints companies, and, and there's no substitute for time in that case. So some of our engagements were initiated over two years ago, and we're still working towards qualification but that will come yeah presumably that that will you'll reach a point of critical mass then as well when you have enough you know documentary evidence to to back up the commercial offering yeah uh, and i think it's true for everyone involved in graphene that the more examples of production applications the better for all of us because uh, at the moment there aren't there aren't enough real examples of, of production demand uh, one other point as well. Um, where do you stand from an IP angle? How much of your technology is actually yours and how much is under license? Okay, we spun out of Durham University and all the patented technology that was came out of the university was transferred to the company back in, in 2010. So that those patents are uh, still going through granting. We have been granted in certain territories, but we're still waiting for granting in other territories. And then we build our IP portfolio as we go along. A lot of what we do is know-how and an IP in how to include the graphene into the different materials that our customers are using. Uh, so we're adding to that all the time. Okay, I guess um, for, from our readers' point of view, what should they be looking out for with the company in the coming uh, weeks and months? I know that you don't have a, a strict timetable because I guess those trials, uh, the duration of the trials will be uh, variable in some cases. But um, what should they look out for? The real measures will be uh, larger tangible orders that we can talk about. So ultimately that will show through in our in our accounts and, and uh, obviously our year ends at the end of July, uh, financial year ends July. So wherever possible, we will be announcing and delighted to talk about larger production orders as they come through. And we hope that that will be from multiple customers across our target segment. So paints and coatings, composites and oils and lubricants. And we expect to have quite a broad portfolio of 
customers within those sectors. Okay, so I guess there's one other thing that I must ask as well. I'd probably bring you in here, uh, Gareth. I know that you've uh, only been CFO for uh, a matter of uh, weeks now. But how is the company funded at the moment? I mean, what's what's the current cash burn? And I mean, have you got any uh, plans linked to capital raisings? Or again, is this uh, is this pretty much up in the air? Yes, we finished um, end of January at our interims with five and a half million cash at bank. Our burn rate currently is uh, about four million per annum. So clearly, as we move forward and start to evolve as a company, you know, we have to sit down with our advisors and see as the revenues come in, how we grow in a controlled manner, but always sort of keeping an eye on cash at that time and managing that as effectively as possible. Okay, well, listen, gentlemen, I think we've covered everything that we need to cover at this point, but obviously this is an ongoing narrative, so uh, I dare say that we'll uh, have the opportunity to speak in at some point in the future. But thanks very much for coming in, and for everyone else, goodbye. At Airbus, we bring the world together. Our aircraft connects communities, facilitating cross-cultural communication. Our satellite technology enables communication across the world and allows us to explore space, expanding human knowledge to create a better future on Earth. At Airbus, we're pioneering sustainable aerospace for a safe and united world. Learn more at Airbus.com.